Hello, podcast listeners. It's Wildcat Minute, where we talk about High School Musical 3, senior year, one minute at a time. I'm Condra. And I am Tyler. And today, we are talking about Minute 54 of High School Musical 3, senior year. Minute 54 starts out with Sharpay saying, now get me that duet, and ends with Troy saying, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. A little bit of Devo to get us get us going here i was just in the hillary duff so i'm, I'm going <laughs> yeah we're, we're dancing all around in case you couldn't tell we are in studio oh yeah for this record meaning that we are a I, mere two feet away from each other recording even. into the same microphone it's basically a foot and a half <laughs> <laughs> and we're here just just chat in high school musical three this is minute 52 four I lost count. I lost count. I just said it. I wasn't listening. I know, you never do. I was trying to come up with an idea for the DCOM segment. That's a tease for later. Wow. Anyway. Well, until then. You can find us on... On Instagram at Amateur Nerds. No, we got a whole episode. Oh of man! Oh man! I thought I was gonna get out of this one easy. <laughs> so Ryan has a great. So Ryan and Gabriella are still chatting. Ryan and Sharpay. Yeah. She's not Gabriella. That's what he says. Condra, how could you mess this up? I didn't. I was setting you up. Oh, you're okay. welcome. <laughs> he distinctly says, Sharpay, you're not Gabriella. Which is weird. I think it makes perfect sense. Like, but like, obviously she's not. And she doesn't think she is. She knows she's Sharpay Evans. But like, all that she is thinking is, I'm better than Gabriella, so I deserve her song. And not that she is Gabriella. Like, Ryan is saying to her, this is Gabriella's song. You can't take it. You're not Gabriella. Right? It's like if I handed you a letter that said, this is for John Smith, and you took started opening it, and I said, you're not John Smith! <laughs> and then you said, <laughs> don't be so sure. <laughs> you don't tell me how to live my life. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, what, what Sharpay says, yeah, I did it too. Uh, what Sharpay <laughs> says is, don't be so sure. As if she's going to dye her hair brown and pretend to be Gabriella, which would be a direction I would be on board with for this movie to go in. Or that she's just going to supplant Gabriella and, like, become the supreme person, so she's taken over everything. (laughs) The supreme overlord. (laughs) Like, I could see it as being, like... Yeah, don't be so sure that Gabriella is going to even be in the picture kind of thing. Yeah, I mean... It's a good back and forth. It's, yeah. It's not the cleverest dialogue of all time. But, but... it's very sibling banter. <laughs> what would we know about that? Who are you? <laughs> Don't be so sure. But Ryan gets annoyed because Gabriella... Or Jesus. <laughs> well, Jesus isn't here. <gasps> so Ryan gets annoyed because Sharpay just walks away. And yeah, he literally does like a hand, like he does like a like yeah. He, he almost does like a like a like a hand palm out, like don't talk to me. Yeah, like a talk deal. to the hand, but it's more of like got a flair to it. Yeah. And then we hard cut scene. Well, quickly, Condra mentioned while oh. we were watching a minute that we get a glimpse of Chad, and he's not wearing. 
pants that cover his calves, which means he's a clown in shorts. Yeah, we can see he's got this kind of like clown gown. (laughs) (laughs) That might be your title. (laughs) But then, yeah, he's got bare calves. Sharpay's wearing this like miniskirt type deal. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like, how would you describe that sort of like shiny gloss? It's almost like a pleather. Yeah. And we get a little bit more time to look at Ryan's pants, which are decidedly not stripes. I don't agree with. (laughs) Tyler's sitting further away from the screen than I am. And And I'm not wearing my glasses. So what does he know? (laughs) But yeah, we cut away to... Riley's salvage. Yeah, so kind of a big, like, make uh, DIY, like, salvage sign, which is, like, a, a style. It's, like, welded all together with these pieces of metal. And there's, like, a truck on the top. In the background, we can see this, like, giant, like... Junkyard, almost. Junkyard, and then there's this big um structure with, like, pipes and tubes that looks like it would be, like, a... A water slide type yeah. configuration, but it's for heavy machinery and stuff. I, I do not know enough about the world to n- understand what exactly goes through that, but I would imagine there's some smoke and some burning somewhere. Absolutely. Yeah, and we get a total scene change. Like, this is very abrupt, I feel like. Like, this is a very new spot for us. Yeah, well, in terms of, um, you know, screenplay and storytelling, this is very much an and then transition and yeah. not a and not a but or a so transition yeah which isn't a bad thing because we've been like lurking in the same area for a while now and it's nice to like have something different happening and if this is as we see a troy and chad scene which is not <laughs> apparently seen. rare in this movie <laughs> yeah we've we've had a few gabriella and taylor scenes but not a not a chad and Troy thing. Chad particularly seems to be getting short shrift in this film. Indeed. But but yeah, we we see the Troy's truck driving through the gate as somehow. Bobby opens it for them. <laughs> oh yeah, there's a guy named Bobby, which we know because Troy leaning out the window says, Hey yeah. Bobby <laughs> <laughs> And then says thanks Bob again as as Bobby opens the gate for him. The gate which is covered with hand-painted signs that say such things as salvage and save vintage values we beat any price what prices are they beating prices for purchasing or like they buy parts from you which means they're going up in price yeah or do people buy things i guess both way that's how a junkyard works yeah yeah but it's unclear yeah but usually a junkyard is just a junkyard they're not like competing well i guess they are competing because everything's capitalism but like yeah uh, (laughs) i guess it's just a sign it doesn't mean anything everyone has that sign and then bobby says the boys are back (laughs) um with a with a bit more of a lilt in it to his voice he's got a cowboy hat and he's got a cowboy hat which is not necessarily a cross section that one like junkyard and cowboy hat doesn't necessarily Seem like an intersection, but I don't live in the Southwest, so. Yeah, does everyone just wear a cowboy <laughs> hat down there because it's so sunny all the time and you got to protect your head from from dangerous rays? <laughs> dangerous rays sounds like a restaurant. Or. I guess that's Howlin' Rays. Or a villainous instrument. <laughs> a danger ray. Oh, is that a is that a Dr. Horrible callback? Almost. I was trying. <laughs> um. Anyways, so we then reverse shot to a 
the truck driving at us as we see like this office building where this big guy is getting out of the door which also says rooms so it says office painted on the side of the trailer and then there's a little stick out sign that says rooms yeah which does not imply that there's like a hotel or anything it's like a it's like a trailer hitch like that one would hook up like for like it's like a Winnebago or yeah, type deal, but it's just weird it's just, that it says office and rooms on it. Yeah, maybe the rooms sign is a thing that they have that they're trying to sell. You know, it's a junkyard; they get all sorts of like random neon signs and stuff, probably too. Yeah, but their business does seem to be more car focused because they do have another sign that says like transmissions, radiators, radiators type radiators, things. Yeah, Radiator Springs. That's a great land. I just. <laughs> It's a really solidly in, themed land. In Disneyland, California Disney, Adventure. Disney's California Adventure, yeah. So, yeah. So, we get Mr. Riley. Indeed. And only Mr. Riley. <laughs> <laughs> coming out of this trailer. Yeah, it's the type of thing where, like, the trailer is just the office for the salvage yard. Yeah. Because they need some room to keep papers in. But it's not even, like, Important. one of those, like... Yeah, there's no safe for... Or probably no safe. But it's not even, like, a temporary, like, movable... It's just been there so long that it's, like, on yeah. blocks. I guess, and... it is a, I guess it is a trailer, so theoretically movable. But do you know, like, the sort of, like, temporary building that normally is, like, the office for a construction project? Yeah, like, what we went through some of our early Like, elementary, elementary schools school? also have these, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just, like, sort of, like, move, move it right on. So there's probably not even a bathroom in there, or if there is, it's... Not a, a good terrible one. sight. Not a good one. <laughs> one doesn't one doesn't want to imagine what Mr. Riley does in there. But anyway. But anyways, <laughs> do you want to introduce the actor who plays Mr. Riley? Yeah. So Mr. Riley actually, so he's this he's this sort of like big long hair. He looks like a wrestler. He looks like a wrestler. He's got a sort of um, Chris Evans esque uh, Dorito shaped torso. Yeah. Big shoulders and then a slightly leaner, waist. leaner waistline. So. Mr. Riley's played played by an actor named Stan Ellsworth, and um, Stan Ellsworth actually passed away earlier this year at the age of 63, and he's actually a very interesting actor to have appeared in this movie. He doesn't have a lot of acting credits. As an actor, he himself has appeared, well, he appeared in the DCOM, The Luck of the Irish. Whoa, we've talked about that here before. And he also appeared in... A couple other random movies, Unaccompanied Minors, that sort of like I kids airport movie. Yeah. Uh Keenan Thompson vehicle called Wieners. Nice. Which seems like a like a low budget comedy from two thousand eight. He was also in a movie a horror movie called Midnight Movie in two thousand eight, hmm. as well as High School Musical Three. So he had, you know, three movies that all popped up right in that year. He was in the two thousand sixteen Adam Sandler Netflix movie called The Do Over. I vaguely remember that. So he had, you know, appearances in several movies, but his biggest claim to fame in American pop culture is as the host and co-producer of a uh, sort of documentary history series called American Ride, which was produced by the Brigham Young University TV station. Yeah. Stan Ellsworth was from Utah. He seems to have been... Uh, He's a Utah guy. A, a Mormon, a member of that community actively. He was a a teacher and an active member throughout his whole life and um, well-respected in that particular community. Um, but this show, American Ride, seems to have been really beloved by the people that have watched it. He's 
you know, this big guy at one point, uh, he, he was like a football player at BYU. Hmm. And he, you know, briefly was on practice squads in the NFL. So that's where he gets his physique from. Probably not wrestling, but. Um, gives off wrestling vibes. Yeah, gives off re- gives off res- wrestling vibes because he's got the sort of the Hulk Hogan hair, I suppose. But no, he was a motorcyclist, a Harley rider. Yeah. And so this American Ride show is he rides around the United States narrating stories about American history. That's pretty cool. Kind of like, you know, kind of like a drunk history where yeah. it's like about different events in American history. But the the premise is that he like rides his bike around those locations that he's telling stories about. And it actually, he actually won a regional Emmy nice. for this role. So it seems like a really interesting guy and like a, a respected educator, mm-hmm. which he played into with his sort of unique appearance. Mm-hmm. People would say people were intrigued by his way of interacting with the world. He had a degree in history from Brigham Young as well. People would be like, oh, who's this, you know, sort of tough, muscly guy? And they see they see his face and they hear his stories and they're interested in that intersection and, you know, making that history accessible, which is a very respectable thing to do. So it seems like he was a scholar and an actor and a biker and a football player. They're a very American a very American, um, like sort of ideal that yeah. you that you sort of get in this very Americana yeah. sense. If that's the sort of masculinity you're into, and now he's salvaging cars. <laughs> you're gonna say it now he's dead. <laughs> no, that's awful. <laughs> but yeah, no, the idea of Disney getting like. Uh, like a, a local Americana kind of guy. A local, like, biker tough guy. And be like, is this the sort of guy that works at, a like, a salvage yard? Which isn't not the type of guy that works at a salvage yard. Like a former football player, like, that's into American history. Like, there's a lot of things there <laughs> that I'm like, yeah, that I, is. I guess when you picture salvage yard guy, you don't picture, like, jacked guy. No, you just I pi- do. Okay. Because I... you gotta be strong to do the stuff. Yeah. I just picture, like, a guy in a, you know, a jumpsuit yeah, like with a oil stains suit. on it. Like, Yeah, no, I think the difference is you're thinking of, like, a mechanic shop where, like, a salvage yard is, like, a different yeah. thing. But I think he he's very warm and friendly. He has a good rapport with the boys. He's very excited that they're going to U of A. He's actually already bought his season <laughs> tickets for next year, which is wild. And, but also very sweet. Like, he yeah, has a relationship with he, like, gives them, like, boys. a tap on the shoulder. And, like, an aggressive tap where Troy has to, like, casually <laughs> rub it after. But Chad is like, yeah, hey, man, how you doing? Like... Yeah, it seems like Troy's a regular here and Chad, like, has maybe tagged along once before. <laughs> but thinks it's super cool and is like, yeah, let's see. <laughs> Troy has clearly uh, slightly adapted his form of style to appear Just, here. Yeah, he's got a bandana headband. <laughs> he's like, I gotta look tough around Mr. <laughs> Riley, otherwise he's gonna give me crap. <laughs> if I wear just a tight white t-shirt, he's gonna make fun of me. <laughs> yeah, he's got a plaid a plaid flannel kind of deal on with the sleeves rolled up. He's Unbuttoned very... over a white like, v-neck, yeah. so. And then the, like, the... Bandana and the jeans. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's very, like, it's very... It's just funny that we get this idea of Troy, Troy morphing into like, the different situations. Not only a basketball boy, which is like a specific type of jock. Yeah. And then also a, a theater, theater boy. Kid. But then also he's got this like mechanic 
background. Yeah. To which is like, yes, people contain multitudes. They don't need to stick to the status quo. <laughs> and we've seen Troy's dad teaching him about the truck. So, like, it's it's built in. This isn't a surprise. I guess you don't, like, anyone can be into cars. Yes. You don't have to look a certain way to be into cars. No, definitely not. You don't have to look a certain way to be into basketball or anything either, I guess, but... Maybe to play basketball. I think the, I think the idea of, like, changing your outfits to, like, try to fit into a scenario can be awkward. Definitely. To talk about. It, it gives ideas of code switching and, like, larger conversations, like, what are the ways that we try to blend in our society? Is it okay to sort of adapt like to change yourself and to fit in or should you or should we expect everyone to be more accepting i don't (laughs) mr riley seems like a nice guy yeah but i also feel like he maybe gave troy a little a little guff one time and (laughs) troy is now like oh i gotta be cool for mr maybe he like looks up to mr riley and is like man i want him to respect that's that's his backup plan if (laughs) if (laughs) Juilliard doesn't work out. Or you if basketball doesn't work out, he's just gonna come work here. You know, it it's not a bad thing though. No, like yeah. just gotta get used to inhaling those fumes. Yeah. And I mean Mr. Riley is like headed home early. Like he doesn't even have to finish his day at work. So Mr. Riley hits them with a good joke while they drive in. Yeah. He says, There's nothing like the home of a nice well run engine. Well tuned engine. And that ain't it. <laughs> Which I love. Like, that's a great introduction to the character, who is not, like, super a character either. Like, a last-minute edition adult never means much for a High School Musical movie, but, like, it's nice that he has some personality to him. Well, the the, the sort of acting that Stan Ellsworth is doing, which is, like, you're a big guy who's gonna come into a scene, and you're probably going to just be playing big guy who's like scary to the leads this is not it this is like him playing a charismatic buddy like this is the sort of thing that i would imagine like you know when you decide to become an actor and want to do these roles you want to do more than just be a tough guy i would imagine yeah and like this is a a good thing to put on a reel like he's really showcasing what his skills are and i haven't seen that adam sandler movie or unaccompanied minors but i would yeah i'd be curious to see like if he's this tough guy in, in them or... if yeah if he ever got the chance to flex his acting muscles no pun intended but in a but in a non-muscle forward <laughs> way <laughs> yeah i just he puts them at ease and is like bantering with them and it, it makes for a pleasant time Troy's like, yeah, well, my fuel, what is it? Fuel, fuel pump? Pump, transmitter, something, I don't know. His fuel pump is deceased. Yeah, what he said, what she said, he's a very good line read when he says that. Yeah. Yeah, my fuel pump is deceased. And then do you have a radiator cap for me? And he's like, haven't you heard of duct tape? <laughs> so that's what I got on it now. Um, so, yeah, you can see, you can see Troy's kind of like trying to talk talk through this the right way yeah and it's it's it makes for a fun like we've just been in some songs we've been through some like drama conniving scheming and now we're just having a good time yeah and if anything like it just makes it clear like the weakness that i would interpret from this movie overall is that it's a lot of sameness Mm -hmm. it's just the character sort of in the same settings always talking about the same thing 
High School Musical 2 at least had the, like, we're in a completely different setting. The characters are doing something completely different. The plot's kind of... Fine. Fine, right? The character conflicts are the exact same as the first one, but at least they're in new locations. Now, in this third one, it's like, well, we're just sort of in the high school again. And this scene is a good showcase of, like, okay, you take the characters and the relationships that we know, but you put them into a different setting. You get new types of conflicts and new types of character interactions. And that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm having a good time. We even recently had that with Kelsey and Ryan sitting playing pianos. Like, oh, this is a character combination that we don't, don't normally, normally get. Yeah. And we put them into a situation that is familiar but new. Yeah, I think all in all, this is like a nice change. And I like this scene. So um, I actually remember this scene. This is one of the ones I remember. So I know what's coming and I'm looking forward to it. Okay. I, if... I'd be curious to see how many more lines Mr. Riley gets, but he claims that he's leaving and that he's going to let the boys lock up on their way out. They know where the keys are, which is, oh my God, that's that's a liability if I ever heard one, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, they're not 18 yet. Yeah. Or if they are, they're newly 18. Talk about some unaccompanied minors. Hey. <laughs> so, <laughs> I guess the the boys are going to take care of their car and then drive away who knows what will happen next apparently a whole scene that Condra remembers which perplexes me but i'm glad that this movie like i like i liked getting to do a, that little bit of research about stan ellsworth i don't know if i would necessarily agree with his tellings of history from a political standpoint uh, yeah i i don't i don't go there <laughs> i'm a historian as well and i'm not gonna go there um but i but i'm i'm very curious to check out this show i bet it's a good like cable show to fall asleep to like yeah, or I, like a, like a what was that taxi smart cab cash cab cash cab it kind of gives off that vibe too I mean, it's more like an American Pickers or like an Antiques Roadshow is what I'm picturing. Like, it's more just like the vibe of driving around the countryside. And then also there's like a story happening as well. Okay. But I think his his is more like documentary, like he's just telling a story. And yeah, you know, I'd be interested to hear about it. And as much as I maybe hesitate that I would enjoy the show, I bet it probably is really well produced. Yeah. And it looks nice in terms of like a, hey, this is the sort of schlock that you see on a History Channel type show. Yeah. <laughs> Even though it's made at BYU Studio. Yeah. But they're, all those history shows are the same. Okay. Like, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, it sounds like we need to move to our next segment. Cue the music. I'll never know. <laughs> I just refuse. <laughs> it's like on a it's like on a real podcast where they say we're gonna take an ad break and then you know they just didn't they just paused and then kept going. Yeah. That's what we do, but for the cue the music bit. Alright, well, today, because we're in the same room, yeah. it's always fun to do a good old crossover. Yeah, we like to cross over each other. So Condra and I will each come present a Disney property intellectual property owned in 2008 or earlier by disney so ideally no fox no star wars no marvel well yeah no marvel kind of <laughs> yeah and then we'll just sort of try to pitch it as an adaptation of a movie or a tv special condra what do you have i am gonna go with meet the robinsons okay 
2005 animated film based on the James Joyce picture book, A Day in the Life of Wilbur Robinson, which is time travel and technology and science and And imagination. Disney propaganda. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But in a a cute way. It's not a a particularly remembered movie, but I feel like... I love it, though. But I feel like people who do remember it, remember it fondly. There's some good jokes. I got a big head and little arms, and I'm not so sure how well this plan was thought through. Bowler hat guy... Hey, Goob, want to come over to my house later? They all (laughs) all hated hated me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, the animation is not... It's not amazing. It's not advanced. It's an early CGI for them, which is why... Like, Disney wasn't doing CGI, really. This is one of their first 3D animated films. Yeah, in terms of a movie that came out one year after The Incredibles, like... It's not great. They're they're, they're doing the, like, sort of stylized character, like, body shapes Mm -hmm. pretty well. Yeah. The frogs um, are good. Dinosaur looks good. The flying looks good. I, I, I've, I've been a fan of that one for a long time. I, I think the thing that I, that I sort of cringed when looking back on it is the sort of Disney propaganda of it, like the hope imagination type deal. Like there are parts of the movie that are a little tacky in that regard. Yeah, but that's any Disney property, basically. But I would be curious to go back because I would imagine some of the jokes are good, and then some of the jokes are like just trying to appeal to kids. Yeah. No, definitely. You got the jazz singer frogs. <laughs> okay, I was I was trying to think, and maybe this fits perfectly. You're about to go back to to Disney World. We're in the future, but yes, I'm about to go to Disney. <laughs> As at the time of recording, what's the what's the train ride that just goes around the Magic Kingdom? The Walt Disney World Railroad. Yeah, is that is that anything? <laughs> what is the, is there lore there, or is it just a? It's a train ride. Is, it's but it's just a, a like a theme park attraction in the sense that like many theme parks have a train that goes around and you just ride, and it it both brings you to another location in the park, and you get some like slightly behind the scenes or slightly like. Seeing things from a different angle that you normally wouldn't get to see. Condra's. I've got my finger triangle. <laughs> finger triangle like an, an evil villain. <laughs> like she's about to s- spew some knowledge on me. So, is so, this Disney specific or theme park general? Disney specific. Okay. So, to quote one of one of the YouTubers, I'm so thankful you introduced me to the lovely Jenny Nicholson. Walt loved trains. Yes. <laughs> he built the whole park for trains. <laughs> yes. And many, many um, film historians will also um, peddle the line, trains equal movies. The, the, the apparatus that is a film camera is a train. A thing spins. <laughs> <laughs> no, but in the very literal sense that Walt Disney loved trains he had a uh, model train in his backyard he wanted to upsize it for originally his his movie studio and then ended up being this whole theme park that was disneyland so trains are built in inherently into the disney backbone so when they were making walt disney world after walt's death it couldn't be a Magic Kingdom without a train. The trains surround the And this the park. is in addition to Big Thunder Mountain Railroad? That didn't exist at the okay. time. Okay, okay. Space Mountain didn't exist. The only other train that existed was the monorail. Yeah. But the idea of the park being encompassed by a train, taking on the idea of the childhood train ride, but being a big 
actual steam train. Well, not an actual, actual steam train, but like a... Powered by steam. Powered by steam. Not full, full size, but like size enough for people to ride on. That's not a mini one that only kids can ride on, and the conductor's got the silly shoes that are just sticking out the side, like in a in an old carnival park kind of thing. The Walt Disney Railroad is not the better version. That's Disneyland's because Disneyland has some thoughts and some more history around it, but it it doesn't necessarily have lore. But it is like it wouldn't be Magic Kingdom without a train. Like, so the last five years when Tron was getting built and the train wasn't open was a really big deal for the park because there was no train. Like, Yeah, I'm sure everyone was real ticked off that there was no train. Well, part of the nice thing about the train, too, is you can get on it and get to other parts of the park without having to walk there. If it's running on a convenient schedule for you. Is there more than one train that goes yes. around the tracks? Yes. Okay. There's at least two, sometimes three on a busy day. Um, in Walt Disney World, Disneyland usually only has two running at a time. Okay. What's but, interesting yeah, is- you get the voiceover, you get to hear, like, fun facts about the park. Right now, apparently, with uh, Tiana's Bayou Adventure being under construction, they've blocked out that window, so you can't see into the finale scene, or what, what used to be the finale scene in Splash Mountain. But they create additional scenery throughout the Rivers of America, and you get more moments that you can't see anywhere else- Except on the train. What's what's interesting about the train is, you know, theoretically they can close the train ride if there's construction going on that mm-hmm. that somehow makes it inconvenient or impossible to run the train. Like Tron. But you can't, repl- like, you can't get rid of the train or replace the train with another ride. No. Because it's not in a single location, and it, it exists as the boundaries of the park, almost. There are things now beyond it, not so much in Disneyland except for Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. But that was part of, like, the big deal of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge was, like, oh, something's going up beyond the train. And the train also established the berm. So in the construction of Disneyland and a little bit in Walt Disney World, less so in Walt Disney World, they created a wall of dirt that the train sat on top of so no one could see inside the park from the outside and no one could see outside the park from the inside. So there was, like, the wall of dirt around and the train just ran around the top. Yeah, and that's something interesting, too, is Disney's got these, like, forced perspective eyeline type things, which one might consider the train making it harder to create, but only in a situation like Galaxy's Edge, where you you want to think that you're immersed in the world. Most of the time when you're in Disney World, it's like, well, there's just a train nearby, but the train always fits the aesthetic of Disney theme park, unless you're in Tomorrowland Tomorrowland, or something. Tomorrowland has problems on its own. We're not going to go there. (laughs) But what's interesting is we both kind of picked, like, weird Disney-like propaganda. Yeah. Like, very personal to Walt Disney type things. Not that Walt Disney himself was attached to Meet the Robinsons. Robinsons, But But they put a quote of his up at the end of the movie. Yeah. It's very tacky. Moving forward. Yeah. But, yeah. So, Meet the Robinsons has a retrofuturism vibe. Mm -hmm. The Walt Disney Railroad is not retrofuturism. It's just retro in the sense of... Trains. Trains are (laughs) old-fashioned. Yeah, but I could totally... But but you could see that being like a sequel to Meet the Robinsons where or they like they go back further in time or or there's like a futuristic version of a train. train. Yeah, we could just play with train in, <laughs> in Meet the Robinson. All right, so with Meet the Robinsons, so the, the the original movie casts sort of this young the the young boy who gets pulled into his future 
to help his son who had his time machine stolen by the bowler hat guy. We don't, we don't need to get into the whole plot. It's just, there's a young boy who's an inventor, and in the future he's a very successful inventor who sort of creates a bunch of inventions that sort of lead to some sort of utopian yeah. society. Yeah, very Epcotian. Yeah. <laughs> very Tomorrowlandy, Except not dystopia Tomorrowland with George Clooney. Yeah. Which I never saw. It was bad. It was bad. <laughs> um... <laughs> So, I guess, in, in sort of a Snowpiercer type sense, like there might be a like a end of the world train. He, well, not an end of the world train, but he like he invents a sort of self perpetuating train or like a an energy neutral train, hmm. so, or some sort of commuter rail train that like yeah. Well, transportation is a big part of Meet the Robinsons in general. Like they explore many different types of transportation, so maybe it is the concept of Wilbur perfects the train. Is Wilbur Robinson the name of the son or the name of the Wilbur's the the Wilbur's the inventor? Okay, who's the name of like the son character who's like the sidekick for the whole movie? I feel like it's something like Flash, and I know that's not right. Oh no, my bad. Wilbur is the future son, and the inventor's name is Lewis. Gotcha. Who's the Disney expert now? <laughs> no, it's fine. I, I look I down care. at my Disney sweater <laughs> that I'm actively wearing with my Disney wallet and my Disney ink and paint book, and it's like, you want to go there? <laughs> no, I just, I just have the the common logic of like, okay, the book's called A Day with Wilbur Robinson, so the character that we're spending time with is Wilbur Robinson, and the main character has to be someone else. Yeah, so the kid's name is Lewis, but then ends up becoming Cornelius by the end of it. Wow. Tacky. But that's part of just how they get around the, like, not the revealing of, like, oh, you're actually my dad type deal. Well, he knows he's his dad, but the boy doesn't know that he's his dad. Yes. So... So what? transportation. So are we picking up train? with are we picking up with, with Lewis slash Cornelius as an adult in the future, or are we picking up with him as a child? Like still just getting adopted and like working with his new parents to create things. Is his first big like family invention a train? All right, I think that's that's a like, direction to go. Like we see him become like the young like the young successful. Um, so it seems like, well, for one thing, there's the, there's the ever useful plot structure, October Sky, which, which is to say that if for some reason his new parents are like, you'll never make trains, you're going to be a coal miner like us. That won't happen (laughs) because that's the point. His parents, one of them is an inventor. And they're very excited to share, like, they give him this, the, the space. And- but they say, you'll never do trains. And he's like, I love trains. They're my, like, main thing. It would be funny to, like, have an October Sky where it's like, you'll never be a successful drummer. You're going to play guitar. It's like, what's the difference? <laughs> a lot. <laughs> it's, it's still music. <laughs> like, we're still, we're still going for a very specific niche lifestyle. But no, anyway. But I think, like... Maybe as a family, they were, they're like stressing over this train concept as a first step towards like clean energy. Like, I I have a feeling it's an environmental movie. Yeah, I guess, I guess, and I, I, on a similar vein, I was going to say instead of like a Back to the Future esque like time travel movie, it, it should probably be like a very literal, like, save the future kind of movie. 
like in the moment in that sense yes like uh hey here's all the hard work that it takes to make one project get to its end point movie yeah almost like the martian yeah. like all of the hard work that it takes to get your first job done yeah and kind of like bill and ted three <laughs> Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he's got this vision of, like, oh, I'm going to be this great inventor. But first I have to do the the first project. Yeah. And if that never gets done, then that future never happens. Yeah. I, I like that idea because it does get to, like, the, okay, he's given all these resources, but he still has to, like, do the hard work and, like, invent the thing. And if it's some idealistic train... So what is the train's function within the universe? Because in Walt Disney World, it just goes around the park and it's sort of an arbitrary... It's a means of movement throughout the park. It adds... But, it, but it's... A, like... It's less... Background it's, energy. But it's less functional and more aesthetic. Yeah. In the park. Yeah. It's an entertainment experience, just like the Pirate's Ride, in the sense that, like, it is an attraction that you have to wait in line for sometimes. It's not a practical thing. I think spinning into the Disney propaganda, I think it's like some future flying train that is like low energy. Is it like monorail adjacent? I think it's more monorail adjacent. I think we could go, because we're playing with this retro future, I think we can go monorail, which is, in a lot of people's eyes, the better version of the Walt Disney World train, because you also have to ride the monorail around and like one of your only means of getting it. Although that changes your vision. Well, I was going to say, I, I'm just mad that I, I never thought of monorail <laughs> as a pitch for a crossover topic, because that's way better. <laughs> and now we can't do it. Because <laughs> I had kinda... a whole spiel about trains. But maybe, like, there's this monorail idea, and people, like, aren't buying it, so he has to make it look like a steam train. Like, maybe there's something there. Like, a, yeah. Like, he wants to bullet train, but... Or he, or maybe he like he has to make some sort of like sacrifice, like like the energy companies are like aren't gonna let him run the train on you know the super battery that he's invented. Or yeah, whatever. so he has to like make a compromise and be like, okay, for now it'll run on coal and steam, but over time, like I'm going to make changes, and so he like his his initial vision isn't accomplished right away. And he has to re- like he has to realize, oh, I have to make sacrifices in order to get what I want. It's a very and, mature Cornelius. And, well, and maybe, and maybe, and maybe the ultimate realization is that like the future that he saw isn't the future that he's going to get. Like he actually has to sacrifice five years of his life before even the inklings of that idyllic future come into play. Or that like there's going to be an aspect of that idyllic future that he saw. In the in his adventure as a kid, that is literally never going to come to fruition, because something in the meantime changed that made that impossible. Yeah, and accepting oh, like goob. I mean, non-corruption like, of goob would impact the results of future. So, yeah, which is a a very like um, kids kids book way of viewing the world is like oh the vision we had for the future is achievable, but we need to be either more realistic or we need to see or there's going to be darker parts of it that we didn't realize were going to be around when we were a kid. I think of the opening lines of the Harry and the Potters album Lumos, you know, back when we were kids, it felt just like a story. The evils in this world simply defeated by my friends and me. But then we grew up. I have this idea of like, OK, there's there's this thing that we want. 
but it doesn't just magically appear. Yeah. In so many words. <laughs> All right. Yeah. That sounds like a movie. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's it's time in the shop. It's yeah. Senate hearings and <laughs> it's Oppenheimer, but for making a train. <laughs> <laughs> Tradenheimer. <laughs> Cornelius Heimer. Yeah. Um, all right. Yeah, why not? So that was minute 54 of High School Musical 3 Senior Year and Tradenheimer. <laughs> Tra- Walt meet, Disney World trains meet, meet, meet the Robinsons. Yeah. Oh, well, I want to go back and watch that movie at some point now. Yeah. Uh, and I want to see this movie. Yeah, same. <laughs> I want to see what parts are in black and white and what parts are in color. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that is true. They did those weird sapia moments when, like, Lewis is getting dropped off at the orphanage. Oh, yeah. I, I, I don't remember Meet the Robinsons very well. Anyway. Anyways. Until next time, you can find us on social media at Amateur Nerds on Instagram. Or on Tumblr at Wildcat Minute. Send us fan art of Meet the Robinsons. Bar- trade. <laughs> Barbenheimer. <laughs> <laughs> Is it the robot butler? I don't know. Let's just move on. (laughs) I'm trying to envision it. You can send us an email to amateurnerdspresent at gmail.com. Yeah, let us know your favorite Meet the Robinsons side character. Or your favorite episode of American Ride. Either or. Special thanks to our artist, Theo Golden, at Art on Instagram. And our musician, Joe Winslow, whom you can find at joewinslowmusic.com. I have been Condra. And I've been Tyler. We'll see you next time to find out. If Troy and Chad are really going to be alone in this junkyard, you can bet on it. <laughs>